Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. You also have Acts 1.8 talks about wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He is the oil. So you got Jesus is the light. God is the light. The church is represented as lampstands and it's the Holy Spirit, which is the oil that flows in and through us. And we should be lampstands that are shining light forward, forward, okay? illuminating, living in this world, living in this city. We should be lampstands, shining light for Jesus, for the Lord. Do you ever feel like you'd like to make a positive difference in the world? Do you believe that small acts of kindness can go a long way? In today's message, Pastor James talks about how you're called to be the light of the world. The world is full of darkness. There's sin everywhere. But as Christians, you are the light of the world. You're called to share the light of Christ and share His grace and love with others. The Lord is going to do wonderful things through you. You just need to let Him. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Numbers chapter 7 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. We're going to get right into the book of Numbers. I'll give you a heads up. Numbers chapter 7 is the longest chapter in the book of Numbers, but I'm not reading all of Numbers chapter 7, and you'll see why, because it's all repetitive, okay? So look at Numbers chapter 7, verse 1. This is kind of the offerings. This is all about offerings and, and the tribes bringing the kind of the heads of the tribes, the 12 tribes. All right. So they, they've gone out of Egypt. They're at, they're in, they're in the wilderness, but they haven't began their journey just yet, so to speak. And so before they make their way to the promised land, which I always say should have taken them two weeks, took them 40 years. Okay. That's what disobedience will do to you. Okay. It'll delay God's plans for you. It's, it's you, okay? It's me. If, if there's a delay in the process, it's because I'm not obedient, right? So he's got plans, and they're usually pretty, like, you know, quick and seamless. And then I get in the way of it. And then sometimes they get delayed a little bit, okay? So that's the story of the children of Israel wandering through the wilderness. Here, though, they're getting kind of everything ready to go. And this is going to be dedication of these offerings. And so because there are 12 tribes, there's going to be 12 representatives of each tribe. So this is why I'm not going to read through the whole thing is because it'll list the guy and we'll read that part. But when it comes to the offering that they offer, it's the exact same for every 12 one. So don't think I'm cheating you. I'm not robbing you. Feel free to go back tonight and read through Leviticus chapter 7 if you want, but you'll, you'll find out that it's all the same. It's repeated, okay? I've read through it multiple times today, just to make sure. But verse 1 says, on the day when Moses set up the tabernacle, he anointed it and set it apart as holy. Why? Because that's the place where the presence of God was going to dwell, okay? It should be set apart. He also anointed and set apart all its furnishings and the altar with its utensils. Then all the leaders of Israel, the tribal leaders who had registered their troops, that's their military men, came and brought their offerings. Together they brought six large wagons and 12 oxen. 
There was a wagon for every two leaders and an ox for every leader. They presented these to the Lord in front of the four. Then the Lord said to Moses, receive their gifts and use these oxen and wagons for transportation or for transporting the tabernacle. Distribute them among the Levites according to the work they have to do. So just so you know, the Levites out of the 12 tribes were designated to serve the Lord. Okay, so that's that's their role. That's their job. God has He's taken them as like, instead of your firstborn son being dedicated to God, he has he is set apart the tribe of Levi for that, okay? So you got these Levites, you got some oxen, you got some wagons, and it needs to be distributed to these guys. Verse 6, it says, so Moses took the wagons and oxen and presented them to the Levites. He gave two wagons and four oxen to the Gershonite divisions for their work. He gave four wagons and eight oxen to the Merarite division for their work. All their work was done under the leadership of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. So, so you have the Levites, but above the Levites, you have the, the descendants of Aaron. Okay, So his son was like the leader or the overseer for, the, for these groups. Verse 9, but he gave none of the wagons or oxen to the Kohathite division since they were required to carry the sacred objects of the tabernacle on their shoulders, right? So these are the guys who are like, they're set apart to carry the, the, the furniture, the stuff from the inside the tabernacle and the Holy of Holies. Like these dudes have to carry that. And God's like, don't put it on a cart with an ox. And that's a lesson that David would learn down the road, okay? But God's like, no, you, you have these poles and you guys have to shoulder this load. And that's just how it is sometimes. You have different, you know, God has blessed you with gifts and skills and then callings and all that stuff. You have to answer to the calling he has called you to. And sometimes your calling is going to look different from other people's. Sometimes other people get, they get the ox and they get the carts. And you get to shoulder a certain load. That's just how it is. But that's how God has it designed. So there's no like... That's no fair within the kingdom of God. That excuse, it's checked at the door when you walked in. When you said yes to Jesus, you laid that excuse to the side. He's called you in a certain way, and he's, he's gifted you in a certain way that he, he wants you and expects each and every one of us to show up and to shoulder our load, so to speak. Okay? These guys had to physically carry this, carry this stuff. That's how God wanted it. And those are sacred. Those are holy items. He's, he doesn't want you putting that on a cart carried, you know, pulled by an ox. He wants that on the shoulders of men who have been set apart by him. Okay? That's, it's a little more safe. It's, you know, the, the cart's not going to tip over and the thing's going to, the Ark of the Covenant's not going to go rolling out or anything like that. It's, it's safe and it's secure on these men's shoulders. The holy things should be carried by on the shoulders of designated men, honestly. That's just how it is, okay? Verse 10, the leaders also presented dedicated gifts for the altar at the time it was anointed. They each placed their gift before the altar, and the Lord said to Moses, let one leader bring his gift each day for the dedication of the altar. Here's what's cool about this. Yes, this next part is the the repetition thing, okay? But God notes every guy and every gift that he brings on behalf of the tribe that he represents, meaning this. God takes note of everything you give to him. Everything you give to him, he takes note of that. 
No matter how big, no matter how small, whether other people see it, whether they don't see it, it does not matter because God who sees all, knows all, recognizes when you give him something. He knows. He keeps, he keeps a ledger of that. And that's the only thing you need to be worried about. It's like, Lord, here it is. This is for you. I don't care if anybody sees it. Jesus even warned like, his guys. He says, don't let your, your, your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Right? Like, don't, don't be like the Pharisees who blow the trumpet when they give. Hey, everybody, look at me. I'm putting stuff in the offering box. Here it goes. I can't even fit it in there. It's so much stuff, right? Like, that's what the Pharisees would do. And Jesus warned his guys. He said, don't, don't like those religious guys. God sees. He knows. So bring it to him. Whatever it is, you, you just bring it to him. He, he takes note of those things. So starting in verse 12, like I said, I'm going to read the names of the guys and where, you know, the tribes that they come from. I'm going to read the first guy's offering, but then again, it's just, it's repeated after that. All right. Verse 12. On the first day, Nashon, the son of Aminadab, leader of the tribe of Judah, presented his offering. Here's their, here's their offering. His offering consisted of a silver platter weighing three and a quarter pounds. That's like solid silver. Three and a quarter pounds of silver. That's, that's a lot. Silver basin, basin weighing one and three-fourths pounds. This is New American Stand, or New Living Translation, so it's giving you U.S. measurements here, okay? Not metric. If I'm throwing you off, I'm sorry, but New Living Translation is not going with the metric system, okay? So here you go. Three and a quarter pounds, right, as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. These were both filled with grain offerings of choice flour moistened with olive oil. He also brought a golden container weighing four ounces, four ounces of gold, which was filled with incense. He brought a young bull, a ram, a one-year-old male lamb for a burnt offering, and a male goat for a sin offering. For a peace offering, he brought two bulls, five rams, five male goats, and five one-year-old male lambs. This was the offering brought by Nishan, the son of Aminadab, right? So don't worry, at the end of it, there's not a test because the Bible gives you the answers. How much in total? It'll tell us. But the next one's going to be Daniel, a son of Zuar, 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 I don't know, leader of the tribe of Issachar, presented his offering, same offering. Verse 24, third day, Eliab, son of uh, Helon, right? Is that Helon? Is that right? Amber would know. Did I mind if I doing that right? Maybe. Yeah. yeah? <laughs> Helon, that's the Texas way. Leader of the tribe of Zebulon presented his offering. Same offerings, okay? Verse 30, on the fourth day, I hope your Bible breaks it down like mine, because if not, I'm losing you, but it's cool. Look at verse 30. Fourth day, Eliezer, son of Shedur, leader of the tribe of Reuben, presented his offering. Fifth day, Shelumiel, Shelumiel, son of, oh gosh, I read through these earlier, you know the drill with me. The only thing that ever concerns me about reading the Bible is pronouncing names. The other stuff, I'm like, yeah, no big deal. Zerish Shaddai, Shaddai, I think, maybe, leader of the tribe of Simeon, presented his offering. Same, same exact offering. Verse 42, sixth day, Eli Asaph, son of Duel, Duel, Deuel, Deuel, let's go with that one. Leader of the tribe of Gad presented his offering. Seventh day, Elishama, son of Aminahud, leader of the tribe of Ephraim, presented his offering. Verse 54, on the eighth day, Gamaliel, son of Pedehazur, leader of the tribe of Manasseh, presented his offering. 
Same, look at this. We're cruising right along. Verse uh, 60. On the ninth day, Abaddon, son of Gedoniah, there he is, leader of the tribe of Benjamin, presented his offering. Verse 66. On the tenth day, Ahiezer, son of Minishadai, leader of the tribe of Dan, presented his offering. Verse 72. The eleventh day, Pagiel, son of Okran, 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 that's the Texan in me, leader of the tribe of Asher, presented his offering. On the 12th day, 12th day of Christmas here. No, it's not. It's the 12th day. Here we go. Ahira, son of Enan, leader of the tribe of Naphtali, presented his offering. Okay, same offerings. Verse 84. Good grief. 84 verses. And we're not even done yet. But here's the last part of this. So this was the dedication. I wasn't even looking there. Poor Leslie's trying to, I don't know if you're keeping up with me or not. So uh, <laughs> I was just thought that thought of like the guy that's running screens on the verses, just clicking. All right. So this is the dedication offering brought by the leaders of Israel. At the time, the altar was anointed. 12 silver platters, 12 silver basins, and 12 gold incense containers. Each silver platter weighing three and a quarter pounds, silver basin weighing one and three-fourths pounds, Total weight of silver was 60 pounds, as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel, 60 pounds of silver. Each of the 12 golden or gold containers was filled with incense, weighed four ounces, right, as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. The total weight of the gold was three pounds. 12 young bulls, 12 rams, 12 one-year-old lambs were donated for burnt offerings along with their prescribed grain offerings. 12 male goats were brought for the sin offerings, 24 bulls, 60 rams, 60 male goats, 61-year-old male lambs were donated for peace offerings. This was the dedication offering for the altar after it was anointed. And here's what I say to that. Praise God for Jesus being the one perfect sacrifice. Amen. One and done. Like, <laughs> amen to that. Like, Woo, man, I, 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 I hear animals echoing that sentiment all across the world. They're like, yes, praise the Lord, right? The perfect Lamb of God showed up. We don't have to die anymore. Anyways, verse 89, whenever Moses went into the tabernacle to speak with the Lord, he heard the voice speaking to him from between the two cherubim above the ark's cover, the place of atonement that rests on the Ark of the Covenant. The Lord spoke to him from there. So this gives you this beautiful little insight to Moses. As everything's, it's been anointed, it's been dedicated, and all that good stuff, and then Moses gets to go in, and that's where he would hear from God. That's where he would hear from God. Beautiful, beautiful little setup there that they have. So now we get into kind of some of the inner workings of the tabernacle itself in in chapter 8. We're going to look at lamps, okay? And we're going to, we're going to cross-reference a little bit here, okay? Verse 1 of chapter 8. The Lord said to Moses, give Aaron the following instructions. When you set up the seven lamps in the lampstand, place them so their light shines forward in front of the lampstand. So Aaron did this. He set up the seven lamps so they reflected their light forward. That's key. Light forward, Okay. Just as the Lord had commanded Moses, the entire lampstand from its base to its decorative blossoms was made of beaten gold. 
It was built according to the exact design the Lord had shown Moses. So you can, you can get some of that back in the book of Exodus. But you have this menorah, big candlestick, giant, okay? But you have this thing, and it's going to light up the inner, the inner part there, okay, in one sense. So the, the reference is here. Hebrews chapter 9 talks about the tabernacle and everything in it were copies of things in heaven, Okay, so you got the lamp. Who's the lamp? The lamp is Jesus. John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Light of the world, that's Jesus, okay? But here's the other thing. Verse, 1 John 1, 5, God is light. Jesus is light, God is light. Oh, I think they're one and the same. Okay, that's what the Bible says. Okay, you have the lamp stand, and what's fascinating is seven lamp stands. You can even, you, you don't have to go there, but in Revelation chapter 1, verses 12 through 20, it, it talks about there are lampstands that, that were set up that represent the church of God, that Jesus was walking in the midst of, them, of those things. So you get a lampstand which could equal the church or those who represent him. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16 talks about letting your, 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 your city on a hill, like your, your salt and your light, let your light so shine by your good deeds right? That, that's who we are. We're not the light, but we are reflectors of the light. Sun and moon is your classic illustration. The moon has no light in and of itself, but it reflects the light of the sun. And you can walk outside as long as it's not cloudy, and you can see the moon as a reflector of something bigger than it. You and I are that. We reflect something bigger than us. And as a church community, we should be lampstands lit. The oil in the lamp, by the way, is the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit. So Zechariah 4, 1 through 6, it's not by might nor by power, but by but what? By my, but through my spirit, thus says the Lord. Okay? You also have Acts 1, 8 talks about wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He is the oil. So you got Jesus is the light, God is the light. The church is represented as lampstands, and it's the Holy Spirit, which is the oil that flows in and through us, and we should be lampstands that are shining light forward, forward, okay, illuminating, living in this world, living in this city. We should be lampstands, shining light for Jesus, for the Lord, and that's going to be their job in the tabernacle. It's tending to this light, to keep the oil there, to keep it going, keep it going. And, and look, I, I praise God that for you and I, the reality is we don't need a physical tabernacle. He says that your body is a temple. First Corinthians talks about that. So what you need is every day, and I talk about this all the time, Holy Spirit, please what? Fill me, fill me so that I can, I can burn bright for you, so that I can shine for you. We, we got to have that each and every day. And it's your responsibility. It's your responsibility to, to check the oil, so to speak, right? You have that light on in your car. If it's on right now, you need to check your oil, right? Like maybe an oil change, right? That light's there for a reason. We kind of have a check oil light on us as well. But it doesn't always look how our car would look in one sense. Your check oil light, my check oil light looks a lot like this. Not that the Holy Spirit has left you because he doesn't leave you. He takes up permanent residence inside of you. But there are indicators when I'm not like, I'm not really running off of him anymore. 
And those indicators for me are, I get, I get, I get kind of salty. I get a little salty. I get a little grumpy is what my wife says. She's really good at telling if I'm filled with the Spirit or not. And she let me know, because that's what a good wife does. Now she's like, well, you're kind of salty. You're a little grumpy. What's going on? Maybe I just need to go read my Bible. Maybe I just need to go pray, okay? There are indicators within us that let us know, you, you need a fresh feeling. You need to be filled. You just need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? The rest of this chapter, you're going to have the, the Levites. They're, they're going to be set apart, distinguished from Aaron and his sons. Verse 5, the Lord said to Moses, now set the Levites apart from the rest of the people of Israel, ceremonially clean. Do this by sprinkling them with the water of purification and have them shave their entire body. What? And wash their clothes, okay? Their clothing. You're like, oh, man. You're like, the priest didn't have to shave, right? If you read back through Leviticus and even Exodus, you would note that the priests who were set apart, they didn't have to shave the whole body. But these Levites are like, now you got to shave. Why? Now I got to shave. Are we swimming? What are we doing? Am I running track? And is this like a wind resistance thing? No, this is like you're going to get pure kind of a thing. Don't worry, the body hair, as we all know, grows back. It's fine. But this is a, a ceremonial type thing where they're going to get clean. They get sprinkled with the water. They shave their bodies. They, they wash their clothing. It says, then they will be ceremonially clean. Verse 8. Have them bring a young bull and a grain offering of choice flour moistened with olive oil, along with a second young bull for a sin offering. Then assemble the whole community of Israel and present the Levites at the entrance of the tabernacle. When you present the Levites before the Lord, the people of Israel must lay their hands on them. Well, that's interesting. So you got them all on stage, so to speak. Now, there's no physical way that all of Israel, all million or so of these people can actually lay hands on these guys, but they can all lift their hands. They can all lift their hands. And in in church, you can lift your hand. Like when worship's going on, you feel like, I want to lift my hands and worship, then do that. And there's many ways you can do that. You can go single, you can go double, you can go wide, it doesn't matter, you can wave, Nobody's going to wait back at you, right? But that's fine. You just, you can, you know, I'm usually here, like hands over my heart kind of a deal. That's just me. That's my, that's my speed. But you can do that because it's, it's just, a, it's an outward showing of like, just worship. And it's not an intention thing. It's not an intention thing. Nobody cares if you're raising your hand or not, all right? Because they should be focused on the Lord as well, okay? So... Tim Hawkins, you guys know him? Comedian Tim Hawkins, really funny guy, Christian guy. He does a whole bit on this. You can do the Mufasa, how big was your TV, you know, widescreen, small, you know, how this might, my, my, here's my baby, or all this other stuff. Whatever you want to do, <clears throat> if you feel like at any point in time in worship, when we're singing songs to the Lord, you just want to raise your hand, then raise your hand. It's fine. It's okay. If you feel that at some point in time you want to like, just go down to your knees and just pray, then, then do that. It's, it's worship. It's okay, right? Um, just don't start a mosh pit. That's all we ask. There's insurance stuff. We just can't have any of those liabilities. I'm just kidding. Actually, I'm not. Don't start a mosh pit because then that's about us, not him. All right. So these guys, the community of Israel would have to like raise their hands towards these guys being designated. Hopeless, hopeless, red for the bro.
You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. How often is the voice of God ignored? Do you tune him out because you think you know what he's going to say to you? Or maybe it just comes straight from a disobedient heart, like that of the Israelites, after being rescued from Pharaoh's rule. Getting out of Egypt wasn't enough for them, because, get this, they complained. They were disgruntled because God's way of doing things wasn't their way of doing things. Not only that, but they did what they wanted. Listen to how God responds to the Israelites' behavior in Numbers 4.22 and 23. Because all these men have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these ten times and have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. That's pretty heavy, but it comes from a loving father who's teaching his children to obey him without question. What is your next step of obedience? If you enjoyed today's message from Numbers and want to hear more, then go to breadforthebroken.com where you'll hear more of God's truth and what it means for your life. That website, once again, is breadforthebroken.com. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. Would you consider donating some of your resources to support this ministry? All you have to do is visit us at breadforthebroken.com to learn how. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. Make sure you join us again next time here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.